Well, good morning and uh, welcome to church. It is wonderful to be with you today. How about we just pray before we jump into the message today? So let's just pray together. Gracious, loving God, we give you thanks for this morning. We give you thanks for this day. And we give you thanks that we can join together and worship you, whether we are here in the building, whether we are online. Lord, we raise your name and we give you glory because of the opportunity that we have. So today, help us to still our minds. Help us to quicken our hearts as we come and listen to your word. O Holy Spirit, be upon us and open our hearts and our minds to your leading. We pray this in your name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're now in our third week in our series on the letters to John. And as we've been looking at the letters of John, we would, and, and the letters of John, they are, if you actually go backwards from the Bible, you've got Revelation, you've got Jude, and then you've got the letters of John. You've got the three letters of John. Um, and they've been attributed to um, the gospel writer who wrote the gospel of John. And we've looked at all of that in the first couple of weeks. Last week, as we looked at the beginning of chapter 2 in the first letter of John, we actually explored what it meant that John was actually using an in-depth defence or teaching against um, false teachers, so those people who had been spreading false teaching through the church and through the region. And specifically, the, the the form of false teaching was Gnosticism. In other words, they had special knowledge and they were using this special knowledge not to participate within what is right for the church to do. See, what John wanted to do was to prepare the church and to also combat this rise of Gnosticism that had started to appear. The first part of... um, 1 John chapter 2 brings our attention to the first two behaviours of believers. Two behaviours that genuine believers, genuine followers of God have. And the first of this is that if you're a genuine follower of God, then you will actually be obedient to God's teaching. The second that we had last week was if you're a genuine follower of fellow, if you're in genuine fellowship with God, You'll be known by your love. It will be the mark of who we are. As we come into the next section, which we're just going to read in a moment, you'll actually note that what John does is he doesn't necessarily write in a linear fashion. He doesn't write um, as as, as we would do now in a logical step-by-step fashion. He, He tends to meander around, you know, Some commentators actually say this next section, which we're going to read from um, 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through to uh, 14, is a bit of a stream of consciousness flow, actually, all the way down to um, 17, a little bit of a stream of consciousness flow. But um, but it's, it's, it's not necessarily just stream of consciousness. There's actually a reason for that. And we're going to explore that in just a moment, but just keep in mind that As John is writing, things come to his mind. 
things come and he needs to express those. And he wants the, the, the people reading this letter, the church, to actually understand that and to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to be challenged, to change their behaviour. So as we jump into this section, I want you to um, join with me as we open up the Bible. And if you want to open up the Bible with me, it is 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through to 17. I'm just going to read it for you. If you want to follow along on the screens, they will be there for you as well. John is writing this and he says, I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I am writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I am writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won the battle with the evil one. I have written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I have written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle with the evil one. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure and a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and passions. These are not from the Father but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Now, as I said, it's a little bit more of a stream of consciousness, but it actually has deep purpose. It actually gives us insight. I actually really love it because, because what John is doing here is he's trying to actually encourage the believers, but he's also encouraging them to stand firm in their faith and to stand firm against the false teaching. So if we, if we actually look at this and what John is doing in preparing his believers, the people who are part of the church, to stand firm against false teaching, it's important this encouragement. He's given us two attitudes of a genuine believer, obedience and love. And as he directs, directly talks to those who are reading, he wants them to be encouraged. Encouraged not just in lifting them up, but encouraged in their faith, encouraged in the foundation of what is important to their faith. And at the same time, he's also preparing them for this difficult next section. He's preparing them for the challenge. He's preparing them to say, how do you stand firm in your faith and not be swayed by what the world is telling you around you? Not to be swayed by the new things that are coming. Not to be swayed by those who profess to have certain knowledge that other people don't. So what John does is he reminds us first and foremost that we are children of God. We are God's children. Those who call upon and those who profess the name of Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, we are God's children. We have been forgiven through Jesus, who is our Lord and Saviour. 
And because of this forgiveness, we have fellowship with God. Because of what Jesus has done, we can be in true, genuine fellowship with our God, our Father. John then actually moves on from that little first opening thing. I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through who? Through Jesus, not through any other means, but your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. And I am writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ. You know Christ. You've, you've, you've actually experienced, you've seen it, you've been part of it, you've lived through all of this. And for those people today, if you think about this, if you have been in the faith for many years, mature in faith, then you are there because you have known Christ your life. You've known it from the beginning and he's encouraging you to keep holding on to that, not letting go, but keep holding on to that. And then he addresses, I am writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won the battle with the evil one. He's actually saying, if you're young in the faith, you've actually stood up and said yes to Jesus. You, you've, you've actually overcome the world's desires, the evil one that wants to take you away. You've created that relationship by saying yes to Jesus. You have battled against the desires of this world and you're saying yes to Jesus. And then he actually goes on and repeats this all again in a slightly different tense. And some commentators want to argue about the differences in the tense and what that actually means and what that doesn't mean. But if you, th if you think about it, he's wanting you to continue on. See, I am writing to you now to encourage you now. I have written to you previously to encourage you previously, and it is the same message I'm giving you. It is not a new one. It's not different. Jesus Christ is the one that saves you and forgives your sins. Stand firm in your faith if you've said yes to Jesus in all of your life. Celebrate the fact if you're young in your faith that you've said yes and you've defeated the evil one. Stand firm. And then he goes on and gives this really deep but hard challenge to the church. If you are going to remain children of the living God, do not love this world. Do not love the things that are offered to you from it. Instead, love God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. He says this, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasures, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father. It is important for us because as the world keeps on wanting us to focus away from God, 
away from what Jesus has for us, away from the obedience, away from the love of those first two things that John is saying is, is the mark of genuine fellowship with God, obedience to God's teaching and word and love for God and love for brothers and sisters in Christ, love for all of the world. If we are to become, instead of love of God and love of brothers and sisters in Christ, we become more enamoured with the things of the world around us, then we are losing our love for God because it is a competition for our time and our attention. We are in competition. Are we going to let ourselves seek the things of the world or are we going to let ourselves stand firm and true to what we know God has given us? It's not to step out of the world. This is not encouragement to push yourself away, but it's the encouragement to remember who you are as you are in the world. You are God's. So how do we stay true in our relationship with God? We love God and not the things of the world. We don't live by the world's standards. Rather, we live by the standard of God. That is to live in obedience, to live in love, and not to chase the indulgences of the world. And as you'll be able to stand firm in that faith, he's encouraging you, Remember whose you are. Stand firm because you are going to have false teachers. You're going to have people come at you that will say something that sounds kind of good, sounds like it is about faith, but it's not. It's those things that are close to the truth but start to draw you away that are the biggest danger for us. John moves on and basically says this whole next section about warnings about antichrists. John is talking here and we, we think, now, is he now talking about somebody that is completely different? Who is this antichrist? Is this, the, is this the devil? Is this somebody else? It's actually, if you break this down, the antichrist is he's talking about are those of the Gnostics, the people who are anti-Jesus Christ. And so we move to the third of the attitudes that we have, a third of the behaviours that we have of genuine believers, of those people who are in genuine fellowship with God. And we'll put it up on the screen for you. Genuine fellowship with God can be seen in correct doctrine. Can be seen in correct doctrine. In other words, the things that you believe the theology that is the foundation of your faith. It is not about having some newfangled one, but it's about the correct doctrine, the way we live, the way we frame ourselves, the way our lives are lived out because of our belief. So let's come back into John, into 1 John, 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to come back into the Bible at verse 18, so I want to just... You join with me. So if you've got the Bibles there with me, join in as we read and just look at what this says to us. And what John had been telling the early church, 
in order to stand firm against these Gnostics, these false teachers, who he calls in this section Antichrists. And he says this, verse 18, Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. For this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. And when they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you his spirit, and all you know, and, and, and you and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father, and in the fellowship we enjoy the eternal life he has promised us. I am writing these things to warn you about those who will lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you and you do not need anyone to teach you what is true for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he's taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. John doesn't mince his words here. He's really coming down quite hard and he wants it here. So without getting too technical, as I said, John is using the term antichrist to literally mean anybody that is anti-against, against Jesus, against Jesus being the Messiah. Anyone who teaches against Jesus is an antichrist. Anyone who walks away from the believers of Jesus is an antichrist. So you know that someone is in, in a genuine fellowship with God because they actually have the right doctrine. They believe the right thing. And, and, and it's not about an esoteric little thing off to the side. It is the centrality of what it is about Christianity. It's the centrality of who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Holy One that came to earth that taught us how to live, that came and died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, that restores our relationship with God our Father and has sent the Holy Spirit to us so that we may have close connection with God at all time and have the power of God working through us. Jesus has come and he's overcome death and we have new life in Jesus Christ. When anybody teaches against this, they are being an antichrist. They are teaching against who Jesus is, the foundation of our faith. If anybody teaches against and denies who Jesus is, they are an antichrist. They are a false teacher. 
They're saying that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. He wasn't the chosen one. He wasn't the anointed one. He was saying, they're saying that Jesus isn't the Son of God. He isn't God. He incarnate as a person. They're saying that they're not the second person of the Trinity, of God the Father, of this God the Son, and God of the Holy Spirit. John goes on to say, if, if you deny the Son, then you are actually denying the Father as well. If you say that Jesus is not the Messiah, the Saviour, the Christ, then you actually don't have a relationship with God. You may claim that you have this special relationship as we learnt last week. The Gnostics claim they had special relationships, special knowledge, but they were denying the very existence of Jesus Christ. They're denying that he was God. And so John is challenging them to stand firm in their faith. So, so when he says, and you know, when he says, I am writing to you as God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus, not through any other means. He's putting it back there. He's going, this is the foundation of your faith. It's important for you. I am writing to you who are mature in that faith because you have known Christ. You know who Jesus is. And you've known it from the very beginning. I am writing to you who are young in the faith because you have battled over the evil one and you know who Christ is for you. John doesn't mince his words here. He calls anybody who's professing false teaching, he's trying to draw people away from faith in Jesus Christ as liars. They are liars. See, as we read this, John helps not only the church back in his time, but the church now and also into the future, helps us understand what it means to live a genuine faith in Jesus. What it means with our fellowship, our relationship with God. We can't base it on on transitory things of the world. We can't base it on, the, on, on how affluent we are or what we have or, or where we grew up or any of those things. Our relationship with God is found in this fellowship that we have because of what Jesus has done. It means that we obey God's commands. We need to learn what are the words, the ways, and the works of Jesus Christ. What does the Bible say for us? We need to learn that. What are God's commands for our lives or the way that we are meant to live, the things that we are meant to do, the things that we shouldn't do for the sake of our souls, the sake of ourselves, and the sake of our good health. It means that we are to embody living in love. That is just love of God and love for our fellow believers, and love expressed in the world. It means that we believe in the truth about Jesus, that we believe the doctrine, correct doctrine, that Jesus is God, fully God, fully human. 
that Jesus is the Messiah, the chosen one that was foretold to come. Jesus is the one who frees us from our sins. It's in that that we can believe. And that will help us, that will arm us against the falsehoods that come. And today it is so easy for us. It is so easy for us to run down little rabbit holes of almost truths, of things that will draw us away. There is a labyrinth of different beliefs, different understandings, and it is so easy for us to get caught up and think that that is the truth, but it's not. We need to stand firm in our faith, in our understanding, and anything that is drawing us away from our loving relationship that we have with God, the Father, the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit working in us is an antichrist. So let's just pray now. Let's just take a moment and reflect for ourselves what this means for us. Our gracious, loving God, it's in you that we trust. It's in you that we place our hope for our future, our hope for our life right now. Oh God, you are the one that put the stars into space. But you are also the one that came as Jesus into the world. You lived a life that was perfect, that was without sin, without fault. You drew to you, many people who learnt from you what it means to follow you, to be a disciple. Oh Lord, you died on the cross. And today we ask that if you are drawing us now to be ever so closer to you, to become more in tune and in a right relationship with you, God, today we say, afresh and anew, that we place our trust in you. We place our trust in Jesus Christ, what Christ has done for us. And we ask that you forgive our sins. You forgive us for the wrong things that we've done, the things that have drawn us away. Oh, Lord God, help us to stand firm in our belief that you are the way, the truth, and the life. That you are our God and our Saviour. Help us not to water down our faith, but help us to build it up and strengthen us. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.